Welcome to What Is It All For, a podcast designed to help you grow your online business and pursue a spacious, satisfying life at the same time. We're your hosts, Jason and Caroline Zook, and we run Wandering Aimfully, an unboring business coaching program. Every week, we bring you advice and conversations to return you to your most intentional self and to help you examine every aspect of your life and business by asking, what is it all for? Thanks for listening, and now let's get into the show. And I'm here too. (laughs) Hello, and welcome back to... The interview series everyone's been clamoring for. Oh, okay. Uh, Clamors. Uh, What's up, Clamors? Uh, Welcome back to the show. And we are on round two, Mm -hmm. uh, part two of this uh, two-part series where we interview each other. Yeah. Uh, Last week, if you missed it, would highly go back and listen to last week. You would highly go back. I would highly recommend that you go back. Sorry, it's rude of me to just come on this podcast and Highly. This is my show. And listen to your show that you had where you interviewed me. What was the name of my show? Um... Podcast, inter- podcast interviews are cool. Dot dot da, dot. Because the intro, um, yeah. So that was fun. It Ho- was really. Hope fun. you all enjoyed that. I wanted. I mean, if people like this, I would like to do more because there was so much we didn't cover. Oh wow. We didn't even get to like any current events really. We didn't get to current events. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe we just, just some public public a- policy and yeah no yeah mm-hmm. okay. Uh, so this week we will be turning the microphone tables around and I will be interviewing you. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who didn't listen last week, Caroline interviewed me. I answered all of the questions truthfully and honestly to the best of my abilities. <laughs> and now this week, We're, the podcast is not under oath. You're not under oath. Are you sure? <laughs> That's no, not a thing about podcasts. I'm not sure. They're not under oath. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. There's a lot less preamble because, uh, we're just like getting into it, you know? Great. All right. I... I think mine... Wait, you need to do an intro for me. Oh, I'm so sorry. Right. I'll do an intro the same quality you did of an intro for me. Excellent. Thank you. Caroline Kelso Zook, born, nay, Caroline Kelso Weingert, uh, Weingert, born in Jacksonville, Florida at one... I almost said C in Portuguese. Baptist medical... Why would you know that? Were you born a Baptist? Yes. Why would you know that? Because I did my research. Found your (laughs) Wikipedia. It's on the Wikipedia. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, back in 1988, a great year, and uh, grew up, was a child for a while, and then uh, was a teenager, and then became an adult, and then that's where we are today. Love it. Not that tall. Not that tall. But not that short. Not that short. Average height. Definitely. That's my intro, folks. <laughs> that's actually my, my tagline. My height. Caroline yeah. Zook, average height. My best feature is my height. Your best feature is? My hair. Your hair. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. That's the intro. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, here's my first question. Uh-huh. Kick things off. What's your greatest accomplishment? (laughs) What is my greatest accomplishment? Something that I've done. I mean, the first thing that just comes to mind is creating a career where I don't have to work for someone else. Mm. Like that, that to me feels like the greatest accomplishment and having the flexibility to spend my days in exactly, exactly how I want to spend them. To me, that's a big accomplishment. And it's kind of funny because even hearing your question, I immediately go to, my first thought was, it's been a long time since I accomplished anything. (laughs) And then I was like, I went through this internal battle in my head and I was like, no, you doof. Like you accomplish things all the time. But I think it's because when I hear the word accomplishment, I tie it so directly to like 
a societal external validation Trophies, type of thing. awards. I, like, for example, my book. Right. It doesn't even cross my mind as an accomplishment. Right. Which, that's not to belittle the doing of the thing. It's just that I decided a long time before I did that, that it was not for anyone else. And it wasn't to be an author. Mm-hmm. It was an opportunity at the right time. And it was a, an a vehicle for self-expression. So like, I don't even think of it as an accomplishment. Yeah. It's just funny. As a good interview host, mm-hmm. um, kind of had an inkling that was going to be your answer, <laughs> which leads me to my second question, which is, wait, you you had an inkling that my answer was going to be being able to work for myself. Yeah. <sighs> which leads me to my second question. Did you ever think you would work for yourself? Oh my God. <laughs> Are you a mentalist? <laughs> it might be a medium. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the difference between those Wait, two things. What did you? What's the question? Did I ever? Did you ever think, think you would work for yourself? That own I would your own work business? for myself? No, 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 no. Um, in fact, it never even dawned on me that it was a career path until I met you. Wow. Which, to be fair, was early on in my life. Like well, we yeah. met when I was twenty-one. So, but I mean, my entire life, I only knew about these more traditional career paths, and we were joking the other day about. I think about like the game of life, like the actual board game of Mm -hmm. life. And it teaches you so early on, you have these cards that have your occupation, right? And it's like doctor, lawyer, and maybe there's a business person one. I I doubt it. Maybe there is now, but there wasn't 20 years ago. And if so, it's only, that's one path out of all these other salesmen. Salesmen, maybe, but, um, that's a man and I'm not a man. Oh, good good call. (laughs) No, it's just like, um, so it never even dawned on me. I always thought of this traditional career path. And I don't know if this was told to me directly from my parents, but in terms of like, oh, you need to be a doctor or a lawyer. I don't remember them ever saying that, but I think indirectly the message that I received was you need to find a path that is going to allow you to be financially secure. And the only way to do that is through these jobs like being a lawyer or being a doctor. And so I just had my eye on that prize because yeah. I just thought I got to do any, whatever it takes in order to have more options in my life than I than my parents do. And I saw that money, lack of money was like a big factor in that. And so it's not like I thought about money all the time, but I definitely thought about quote unquote success in a traditional path and just getting myself to a job where I could make enough money to not feel stressed about money yeah when you were little what did being rich like look like like what did you think oh that was? um well first of all the first time i went to a friend's house who had a second story mm. i was like in florida fuck? in florida like that's yeah rare. i was like what um yeah like friends that also like something that sticks out so distinctly in my mind is like friends that had a um whose parents had a beverage fridge in the garage. Oh yeah. Well, and first of all, a garage, we didn't have a garage carport. (laughs) We had a carport. Yeah. And, um, so when I went to friends houses who had like a garage where you could go out into the garage and get a soda out of their fridge, I was like, what is happening here? Yeah. You guys are millionaires. Um, and I remember I would go over to my friend's house in fifth grade after school and they always had, they had a, a drink fridge in the garage and then they had a, what do you call those, like ice chest or something? Like a like, cooler? You know, yeah, like a cooler yeah. Um, where they just had like every frozen food from the grocery store you can imagine. Oh, I like, see what you're saying. Hot like a, pockets. A, a, another an ice freezer. chest. Yeah, 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 yeah. like a freezer. Yeah. Uh, uh, pizza rolls, hot pockets. Yeah. It was just, just like come home, grab a snack after school and pop it in the microwave. And I was just like, you have endless 
freezer food. And first of all, freezer food was expensive. So we didn't actually have that much freezer food. Mm -hmm. And that felt rich to me. Um, Mine was the uh, pool either way. So it was a pool table or a pool that you swim in. I remember a friend who had a pool table and I was like... Whoa. Also, as a person who, I'm sorry to, on my interview show, That's okay. share I, some of my own I, I stories. I knew this coming onto this show. It's a very I do fluid that. kind I do of, that. you do With that. my guests. Yeah. I mm-hmm. also like to be here. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was, however old I was, maybe 14 or 15, that we like moved into the house and um, this was like the, the big house. This was like- This we, was we where have, you, you jumped money. in terms yeah. of money. Yeah. We didn't have a pool, but we had a pool table. Wow. And I'll just never forget. I was like, oh, this is what I grew up thinking like was rich. rich was. And you like, were like, now, I made it. Like we're here. Like, and then it's like- We the, out here is the what Kevin, I said. The Kevin Hart joke of like, oh no, no, no. no I'm, rich. I'm rich. You're not <laughs> yeah. rich. Uh, yeah. So that was a, a fun thing for me growing up. Um, was thinking about that. When you were growing up, you had a big blended family. Yes. What was that like? What was that like? Because I didn't like? really have a blended family. I just right. had like multiple iterations of like different types right. of Right. Yours was, yeah, yeah. Um, as far back as I can remember, it was like that. So I actually just don't even know any other way. So for anyone listening, my parents split up when I was like something like nine months old or something. And so, meaning divorced. And so my dad was always in my life, but they, but never married. So I never thought of them as together. And then pretty shortly after my mom met my stepdad when I was like three. And so he had two kids. So then they, we, they all moved in together. So then sometimes they, the boys would come visit. So, so then I had two stepbrothers and then I had myself and my older brother, Matt, Matt and I stayed at my mom's house. The boys would come over, um, you know, but they predominantly lived with their mom, but they predominantly lived with their mom. Then on the other side, my dad got remarried and she, um, his second wife had two, a boy and a girl. So then I had a new stepsister and a new stepbrother. And then they had my mom or my dad and my, and his second wife had a baby, my little sister, my little half sister. And then they got divorced and then my dad got re- remarried again and had my little half brother. Yeah. So at any given moment, like I just had all these, I mean, I was pre- predominantly at my mom's house. So I did have sort of like a stable home base, but then people were kind of coming in and then I would go over to my dad's house and stay. And then, so then I had like a different kid sibling dynamic there. And then when all of that kind of ended, then there was a new dynamic where it was like visiting my dad while he was single. And then when he had my little brother, that was a new dynamic. So it was always sort of these changing social dynamics in my family. Um, But I do remember growing up having a sense of pride. Like, I think my parents did a really good job. I don't know if this was just like the narrative that they pushed or if it was true, but they did get along fairly well. Um, Like my dad and my stepdad at least respected each other. Like I'm sure there were things that really, you know, especially money. Money was the thing that caused problems because... Too many pool tables. Too many pool tables. (laughs) Because my dad, um, my dad was a lawyer, but he was always in between things. So Mm -hmm. it was always like, he was like working at this firm and then he would do that for like a year or two. And then it was like, Oh, I'm on my own. I'm starting my own firm. Like I just always remember that always being in flux. And even though he was in this career that I feel like you would associate with having money, he was incredibly unreliable for my mom in terms of child support and things like that. I mean, I can remember very formative memories of like being at the public's grocery store 
and you know my dad having written my mom like a bad check and so then she's trying to buy groceries mm-hmm. and the check is bouncing and then it's embarrassing i don't really even know how the finances work where they can check that at the counter or something yeah. something's happening where we're trying to buy groceries we don't have money it's embarrassing my mom then then the loop is like then the phone call happens and then lamar well, yeah we could bleep it out <laughs> <laughs> but like um you know so that was difficult yeah but I going back to what I was saying before I remember being mostly happy and I remember having a sense of pride that though it was blended and though it was complicated I mean I do remember having a sense of embarrassment a little bit of explaining to people my family tree like I just did yeah, it's hard to explain because it's hard to explain yeah. but I do remember having equal parts embarrassment but also equal parts pride of like Yes, it's chaotic and it's different and it's unconventional, but we all love each other. And for the most part, we get along and there is love in our, in my house. And I really liked all of my siblings and, um, it was difficult. I will say at times, because especially on my mom's side, it was basically three boys against one girl. And that's exactly how it felt. They were all older boys. And I think as a way, I don't know this to be true. Like I've never had a true conversation with my brother about this, but like, it became easy for him to kind of fall in with the two older stepbrothers and, and get along. And like, they all got along really well, but it always left me on the outside. Yeah. And a lot of my childhood, the negative parts of my childhood very much became colored by this feeling of being on the outside and being different than everyone in my family. Yeah. Which I think we have in common, right? Like I think totally. I, accepted that I was the black sheep and kind of wore it as a badge of honor. I would go on a limb and say that you were a little bit of the black sheep in your family, but it wasn't really a badge of honor. Totally. Yeah. And I think that probably boils down to the peacekeeping person in you and trying to like keep the family, like keep all the branches of the family happy. And yeah. Cause what happened was deep down, I felt like the black sheep, especially for being sensitive because when you're in a house with three older brothers and none of them are really, super in touch with their sensitive side. You being sensitive becomes the thing that makes you different. Not only are you younger and you're just sort of like the annoying little sister, but I was also deeply sensitive. So like things hurt my feelings. um, And I felt the energy of people around me. I felt the energy when there was conflict about money. So it's like deep down, I felt like a black sheep, but then I had this weird thing where my coping mechanism in order to fit in or to get validation within my family unit was to get good grades and to become very focused on school and excelling and it's like I had this this I found this way in which was every time I remember a very early formative memory is going to take this like gifted test right now right now they you look back and you're like, I don't know how many of those kids were quote unquote gifted. Like, I don't know. But I remember going to take the gifted test and passing and like the pride that my mom had talking about how good at puzzles I was and like mm-hmm. how advanced and she's so smart and like the joy and the, the happiness that she got from my excelling, that was almost like a thing early on of teaching me like when there's turmoil and there's chaos Oh, you, your academics and your ability to excel actually are a tool that you can use in order to make your mom happy. And that can please other people and that can create more safety within your family. And so it's taken me years of therapy to understand this, but 
that's why academics and achievement became such a trap for me because to me that was my only means to safety yeah and acceptance and, and approval and approval yeah, exactly and and acceptance yeah and i do think and i'm not trying to paint any picture of your family growing up but i think in a family that is as kind of like detached in a lot of different ways there's a lot of different family members of different places but we're all intermingling because we're all still together i think it's like it's one of the ways you could stand out in the family right so it's like you kind of fall into the trap of being maybe like the young sensitive one right who like isn't loud you know you're one of the few girls in many of the situations or the only and so this was a way for you to stand out amongst mm-hmm. all of these louder personalities yeah yeah and it was really the way for you know like I think for you to probably feel a sense of pride in yourself and your family. Totally. But then it's weird because it had a different effect as well, where it made me feel like more of a black sheep kind of, because then, and all of my siblings like did well in school, but like I was, but like I really was like your straight A student kind of thing. And like, it made me feel then disconnected from my family members because it made me feel like, now, oh, now they see me as this like teacher's pet. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, so um, we'll skip out of some family dynamics and, and move into some job stuff. Okay. Um, through my research. Yeah. Uh, I know you worked at Rita's Italian Ice, which is like a uh, dessert uh, shaved ice, shaved ice uh, place. I know that you worked at Outback Steakhouse. I did. I know you did some data entry uh, I did. thing. Um, my question was, what do you think was the most formative job you had growing up? just to like help you learn skills as a person who would eventually start your own businesses? Hmm. I don't, honestly, I don't think, I don't think the skills themselves are what helped me. I think the act of going out and having to get a job Mm -hmm. is what helped me because none of the actual stuff I'm doing is and I was never at a job, honestly, long enough for it to like really sink in. They were like summer jobs. They basically. were sort of summer yeah. jobs. And um, yeah, I was never at a job for very long enough to like really cultivate skills. But I do think that the act of going, a lot of times it was out of a place of necessity. So it's like I got my job at Rita's because I needed. That's the Italian ice place. Italian ice. Yeah. Because I had just gotten this like hand-me-down car. And in order to get to school, I needed gas. And like my family can't even like totally give me gas money right so it's like i gotta go get gas money so you should have made a deal with your mom on these good grades like if you got a good grade give me a 20 mom yeah but when you don't have the money (laughs) my mom's like i need 20 to pay groceries for us you know um and so i mean they give me gas money too yeah yeah yeah, no but But i think we all know when finances are tight like and you you just want your own money yeah it's true so that was sort of that and then like having to go and seek out a place that i wanted to go get a job at Mm -hmm. go ask for the application fill out the application that whole process um and do having to do that multiple times um and like nail an interview and like what do you wear and like what are your skills and that whole process I think is very helpful Mm -hmm. and um I never had this approach of like, let me just submit my resume online and like hope it works out. You know, it was very, and I, th- I give credit to like all of the parental figures in my life really said like, if you want to go out and get a job, you need to be the best candidate and you need to go and kind of going back to what we said in your thing of g- go take the extra step that people wouldn't take. Exactly. Overdress. Yeah. 
you know, uh, ask questions about them. Like know your, know your strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. You know? Don't be afraid to speak to, cause a lot of these owners or a lot of the people are like older than you and like how to speak to someone who's older than you, these things. That's what I learned. Yeah. Um, but as far as like, I don't think those kinds of jobs teach you how to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. I think, they teach you how to follow instructions. Yeah. I would say, I would say that definitely is a helpful skill is kind of like the, you have to put in the work to see the results. Exactly. Like that's a skill that you take to entrepreneurship. But I would also say the people interaction is probably a big thing that is helpful that mm. it may not seem that way where it's like in the Outback Steakhouse where you're the hostess, like you're greeting people and like you have to, it's kind of funny because it's, it's actually related to the, those two jobs that you had are very related to your spot in your family where it's like, you have to manage the emotions, emotions of people, of people. you totally. know? So it's like someone like a family walks up to read this Italian ice and they're like having a fight. Yeah. And you have to be like, Hey, yeah. who wants a rainbow snow cone? And you a know? lot of times when you're the hostess, you have no control over how fast wait the staff is turning tables, right. but you're the first line of defense that gets yelled at basically. Yeah. And you're so right. I never thought of it this way, but same with Rita's. I, I think it's um, interesting that I got promoted at both of those jobs extremely fast. Yeah. Like two weeks of working as a hostess at Outback. And I was just the only one who didn't miss a day of work without calling in. You and, sold the most blooming onions. And I was, uh, I think, okay, under stress. And they were like, uh, head hostess. Yeah. And so it's just like, I think you're right. This like skill of a little bit being able to smooth things over, keep the peace was a skill set that I brought to those jo- jobs where you're interfacing with people a lot. Yeah. Moving on to college, because mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever asked you this. So you That's went, what this is for. You went to University of Florida, go Gator. <laughs> and uh, I want to know about the advertising society experience, mm. Mm. like where that started and where that came from. Because to me, that's also an example of like a little bit of entrepreneurial spirit in taking the charge of that, becoming the president of that. Well, actually, I don't know if I've ever told you this story. So let me know if I have, but funny story about that. So I, you know, naturally I switched majors. So my first year in college, I was pre-med because aforementioned, gotta be a doctor. doctor. And then I was like, this is a really bad idea. I don't like these classes and I hate blood. And so this is not gonna work (laughs) out. And so I took a, on an, I took an elective for like advertising 101 and I loved the business strategy part of it. I loved the creative strategy part of it. And so I just said, I'm going to change my major to advertising. And that started me on the track. And then of course, being the overachiever that I am, I thought, let me join ad society. Let me join some clubs that like will look good for getting a job after this. So the only, the advertising club was called ad society. Uh, I joined as a junior actually, I think, or no, maybe a sophomore. I joined, I joined kind of late. I don't remember when the timeline was, but I joined a little late by the standards. Um, and I didn't really get involved. Well, it wasn't your major either. So I'm sure that's why you joined late. Well, exactly, because I had changed. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then I I just sort of like went to the things. They had uh, guest speakers come in. So I always liked going to the meetings to like hear the speakers. But I just didn't get very involved, I I should say. But then I'm a junior. I'm in a meeting and they they talk about... elections coming up because they elect this the senior like the next president I think I think at the end of the the year or whatever and there was one girl who was running for the president of ad society and she was running unopposed she had a pretty good chance of winning and and it 
And I was like, I looked around and I was like, you can't let her win unopposed. <laughs> like it bugged me. And I was like, this makes no sense for me to run. I am not typically the way it works is very like in real life where you get on a committee, then you become a committee head. Then you become like one of the upper officers of the club or whatever has not, have not been a part Maybe of a committee, have not run a committee, have yeah. not done anything in the club, but it was more about me being like, and it was nothing against her. It just was like, I think I can do a better job. Mm-hmm. Like she was the, um, the party planner for the thing, which I was like, cool. Like you, you need a lot of skills to do that. But as far as like running the meetings and getting like keeping the budget, like all the things I was like, I don't know, I think I could do this, you know? And so that part, I think ties back to what we were saying about like, you see something that you want to happen, go out and make it happen. So I run for president against her and I feel a little silly doing it because I'm like, people are like, who is this girl? Um, and I won. Nice. And, and uh, how many people were in the ad society? Just for all of us who have oh, no idea. at meetings, I would say it's probably anywhere from like 50 to 70 people. Okay, cool. So it's not three people. It's not three people. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. no. It was a popular club because it was a popular major. Yeah. Um, and maybe, maybe, I mean, it was definitely dozens, yeah. I would say. And yeah, so my role was to run the meetings and kind of manage all of the upper, um, officers and everything and it was fun and it was a really good leadership opportunity and you know me like looking back now I love processes and I love organization Mm -hmm. and I got to bring the those skill sets to that experience and also it made me get up in front of I had to run meetings so I look back at what we're doing with like uh coaching Coaching sessions and it's so much that it's like preparing a curriculum kind of having an agenda for what I think would be valuable uh we have our own version of an overhead projector there was always this like weird 10 minutes before the meeting started where i had to like mingle because it's like i'm standing at the podium like i'm running the meeting but like i got to like go and like mingle with people and be like oh how are you liking it and blah 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 like it was just weird i don't know yeah i think i think it teaches you a lot of life lessons because it puts you in a lot of uncomfortable positions but then like how many meetings did you run Oh, over the course of the year? I mean, I think they were like either once a month or so. So, I mean, not that many, but like 10 Yeah, but I think it's like the first one's probably super scary. And the second oh, one's like yeah. a little less scary. But then by the, like the eighth one, you're like, oh, I got this. I still remember walking from my sorority house to the place where we'd have the meetings for my first meeting. And that that like yeah. nervousness. It wasn't anxiety. It was like nervousness. I have nervousness thinking about it right now for you. Yeah. The first time I stand, stand behind a podium and I'm like, hey, I'm your president. And you're like, what do I even do here? Yeah. What do you do with my hands? Yeah. Um, that curtails nicely into that's actually how we met. Yes. But I'm curious to know in the like roster of 10 speakers, where did I fit in there? And like, which number was I in oh. there? And were any of the other speakers really like memorable or impactful for you personally? I don't remember a single other speaker. Okay, good. But also what you have to you know. You married one of them. I married. <laughs> Man. That's funny. I wish I would know what the lineup is so I could go, you will marry one of these people. <laughs> Um, but the funny thing about that is the president was not supposed to pick the speakers. Mm. So that's probably why I don't remember because it wasn't actually my job. It was, there was, um, I forget one of the name of the position, but that their entire job was to, to outreach and get speakers to come to meetings. But what happened was, uh, a speaker pulled out last minute and this person I think was also going to be like out of town or something. There was some reason why they couldn't do it couldn't uh find someone last minute and I said I'll as you do because you're the president and you're like I got to make this meeting work so I'll come up with I'll put feelers out 
I sent an email to all the ad society people who had just graduated the year before and said, Hey, I'm in a tough spot. Like, do you know anyone? Cause now they're all out in the industry, right? Like any of your bosses, would they be willing to speak or whatever? And, um, Jessica Ryan at the time, I don't know what her married last name is, but she was like, yeah, she was working in Jacksonville. And she was like, I just went to like a marketing, an AMA, American Marketing Association meeting or something with this guy who has this t-shirt business. Mm -hmm. And like, he was really a good speaker. He was engaging and funny. He would be great for ad society. Like, and I was like, cool. Like, can you give me his email? And she's like, oh gosh, he doesn't, like he's got so many emails coming in. It's like the height of Irish shirt. Like this he's is so. J- this is Jiffy Lube. A, this is Jiffy Lube time. He's a J list celebrity. <laughs> Those of you who listened to last week's episode yeah. will get that. He's yeah. actually a J list celebrity. So um, you're probably not going to be able to reach him via email, but he's on Twitter all the time. So try to get him there. And that's what led to me DMing you. So I don't know who the other speakers were and that's who funny. I almost married. <laughs> well, I didn't know you. I didn't know that you didn't coordinate the speakers. So that's no, even it, funnier too. That I it was know. Like, and when you were telling your story about how you just like happened to go to JU yeah. for basketball, I'm like all these things, which is how life works, right? Yeah, but like all these things had to fall into place. Like you had to s- randomly choose Jacksonville University totally. to come down and play basketball out. Well, and it was either like, that or Arizona State. So like, wow, would have been a whole world of difference. We need to find out who that speaker was that dropped out and send them a card and Seven say, things. just so you know. You know who it was? Dr. Swanson, the, Dr. Swanson, the, the knee urologist. The knee urologist. Yeah. Again, throwback to last episode. Last episode. Um, just for everyone who hasn't necessarily heard that story, what I care not more ne- about. Not the knee neurologist. Not the knee urologist. Knee was, urologist. This is my selfish question of your interview. Okay. You had a selfish question for me. Did was, I fall in love was, with you immediately? What was your initial impression of me? Because we exchanged some DMs. You convinced me to be a speaker. You haggled me down yeah. from the price. Because at that point, I was now getting asked to do like so many things that I had to start charging because I just couldn't do them all. Yeah. And so that that was for me. I was like, listen, I just like, even if it's on Skype, which is what it was, I was like, I just have to charge because I got to weed through these things. And like, my time is super precious at that moment. Yeah. So. Do you want me to tell you honestly? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, two things. I, first of all, had such a like creative crush on you. So I didn't even like, I was dating someone at the time. So I, I didn't have an initial like romantic inclination towards you in any type of way. Mm-hmm. But I, I was in this mode in my life where by the time we had you come speak, it was my last semester of my senior year. Cause I got elected junior year. And then you come back and like, that's your year where you govern. Mm. And so I was gearing up to go find a job in the workplace and graduate from college. And, um, so I was very much in this, this very early twenties, like, creative you know I can go a million different directions with my life and so you just had this way of speaking so differently about creativity as you do now but like I just was very infatuated with how your brain worked and so those are two impressions number one creative crush I just was like this guy thinks so differently and mm-hmm. I just like well, want to be around that energy you know when you meet somebody like that we're just like well how do how do they think and then the second thing was I thought this guy is arrogant as fuck <laughs> like the way that you spoke I was like you just spoke with a in um an assertiveness and going back to what we talked about last episode of like I don't care what you think of me mm-hmm. you spoke with that that I read as arrogance but once I got to know you better I knew that it it was just that I wasn't used to people talking like that and not caring what other people think. This was in 2010 or 2009? 2010. Yeah. So the funny thing about this is like, had you reached out to me in 2009, 
I probably would not have been that confident. Yeah. And I, and I yeah. wouldn't have had that much experience. But I had the entire experience of 2009 going from a literal nobody who nobody paid attention to and like yeah. I had zero following on the internet and nothing at the beginning of that year to fast forward like six or seven months, I'm now on almost every major news outlet, yeah. answering questions, doing things. Then I start getting into the speaking thing. So I'm like doing like AMAs, I'm Skyping into all this stuff. I'm Skyping into interviews. So for... like, to be fair, you kind of had a reason to be arrogant. Like you, well, yeah, and it and was, it was boosting your ego. Exactly. Totally. You and, were in like an ego boosted space. And it was just like, you know, and not to belittle the Florida Advertising Society, but that was like the Small lowest, beans. it was like the lowest yeah. thing on my list to do. So like, I didn't even have to like get anxious about it. Cause I'm totally. like, all I need to do is show up, tell my story. And like, I'm good. Like totally. I know they'll appreciate it. Cause I've done this now like 30 times. Totally. Yeah. So it's yeah, kind of funny. And, and it's I not surprising at all. I remember so distinctly, um, after, I think it was on the way after you Skyped in, we would always go to get pizza afterwards. Like we would meet up afterwards. Not the speaker. The, the No, not the, the speaker. Group. The group would go yeah. to like a pizza place and have like beer and pizza or whatever. And I remember riding in the car with this guy named Jamie and he was, and I was like, I don't know. I just like thought that dude was like so cool. Like, and he was like, that guy, like <laughs> he, you know, like kind of like commenting on how you kind of came, came across very confidently. And I'm like, I don't know. He seems like a good guy to me. That's what I said. I was yeah. like, I get it. He's, but he's done a cool thing and like he just seems like I don't think he means it that way well and that's the thing right like confidence comes off as cockiness a lot of times totally and especially even just some of like the standard gender norms right like a guy seeing another guy yeah can feel very like jealous or yeah. competitive and so it's you you actually can't even remove your ego from no. it all you see is like ego clashing and whereas, it's both right yeah. it's it's that there is some truth to it where you were kind of peacocking but then it's also that then that makes that guy want to be, you know, it's just kind of funny. But I, there was something about you that I just was like, this is like, there's so much more to who he is than like this persona. And I was just so much more fascinated by your brain and your creativity. Well, thank you. Mm. Um, so you graduate college. Uh Did you have a job before you graduated, like lined up that was ready to go? No, if you remember correctly, I had interviews right after I graduated. So I, I wasn't interviewing for jobs before I graduated. I was in the midst of trying to set up interviews. That's right. Because I remember we, we were did, having phone calls. We were having phone calls and, and you were kind of, kind of guiding, coaching you up a little bit. Coaching me up a little yeah. bit and kind of. Probably telling you not to take the jobs or telling yeah, you to ask for more money. <laughs> yes. Both of those things. Um, and so I had, uh, had an interview at an agency in Atlanta and then I was really seeking out, I had decided I didn't want to go to New York. Like I could have parlayed. I had a, an advertising internship between my junior and senior year in New York at a very prestigious advertising agency, like one of the top ones in the world. And I hated it. Mm-hmm. Like hated it. Yeah. And I hated living in New York. And um, so I knew I didn't want to go back there, but I thought I want the, I want the, fun of working on big name clients. Like I don't want to work at a regional agency where I have like no, which is funny because you're which is funny because that's what I ended job. up doing. Yeah. But, um, at the time I just was right out of college and I still was kind of had this idea for my path of wanting to be quote unquote successful, right? Like wanting to go again, remember at this point, everything in my life that is good has come out of me achieving and validating, getting external validation. And so I thought, okay, well, the most external validation would be go take this big name job in New York City and be a NYC, Madison executive. Avenue, you know, madman girl. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I actually can't physically allow myself to do that because I hate it. So like, what's the next 
biggest step. And so I thought I had found this perfect fit at this agency that was technically an independent agency. So it wasn't with one of the big holding companies, which was like kind of the more soul sucking stuff. It was an independent agency in Durham, North Carolina, which was like a small thing, but I had grown up going to North Carolina and I really liked the, that area. Um, but it was big name clients. Mm -hmm. So they had like clients that you would recognize. And the kicker was that the person that I was dating at the time was going to law school in Chapel Hill, which is right next to Durham. Durham. Yeah. And so I thought I've found the perfect out of college thing because, right, I'm going to be with this person for the rest of my life. That's yeah, what we you were think just, when you're 21. We were just casual. We were friends. Friends, yeah. And um, and then, of course, what happened was I had set up that interview at that agency. Meanwhile, you and I are now figuring out that we like each other. I end that relationship with that person. Yeah. I still have the interview in Durham. I go to the interview. I love the interview. I love the agency. They they offered to pay me $5,000, no, $10,000 more than the Atlanta agency. Mm-hmm. I think it's more than that. I think it's 12. Like Which the, truthfully, the Atlanta, I remember chatting with you about the Atlanta agency job offer. And I was like, this is not enough money to live off it's of. It's literally not yeah. enough money to live off of. I think it, yeah, I think it was like $22,000 right Which out of college. Just and I was just like, it's like objectively no. And yeah. Atlanta is not a low cost of living yeah. place. Um, but anyway, so I loved the, the whole thing. And I just thought, well, this is weird because I no longer have a boyfriend that lives anywhere near here, but I really like this job opportunity. So I said, yes. And you and I did long distance for six months and yes I broke up with my current boyfriend and we immediately started dating and I know that that's probably not conventionally I mean, thir- good advice 13 years later I think we've made the right choice same yeah um yeah I think it's fun to like hear that story of you getting that job and like you know I remember back to us having those phone calls like I was traveling for we were shirt where we were having those phone calls so I remember like I was in Denver Colorado mm-hmm. and I remember being at like a I just filmed a YouTube video for whatever Aren't shirt like I was farm? wearing. Uh, I was no one warehouse. Of the, one of the places I was staying was like near a warehouse because that was part of the nonprofit that you helped me right, with. Right, you were scouting time. a warehouse. So I was like okay. figuring that out. Um, but I remember being at a playground. No kids were around, um, and I had like filmed a stupid video, danced around doing my thing, mm. and then I was like on a swing, sitting like on a phone call with you, really like, chatting about life, and I like that's one of those memories. It's that, like, kind sticks. of funny because I can remember pacing around the parking lot of my sorority house on the phone with you too, yeah. And like looking back, it's so obvious that we were just like literally in love with each other, yeah. But like at the time, convincing myself that it was just well, yeah, a creative and you know a creative crush or like a. Yeah a friend a mentor whatever it's like no you dumb dumb you were like really liked this guy yeah i mean the fact that we could spend like hours on the phone just and it like it quickly went away from like the standard surface level discussion stuff of like the advertising industry like we never even talked about that like that wasn't even it was like we talked about our favorite movies and we talked about our family histories and we talked about you know like what we were doing in life and like you know that type of thing yeah so that's fun um okay cool so you work at the agency in durham yeah i'm coming up i'm flying every other weekend or so luckily the flight was like 120 dollars. so like, yeah you're expensive. flying up i'm flying down yep uh you don't love flying but you don't know that you hate flying as much as you do at that time it wasn't as bad as yeah. i got um and then i think what were you you were there for like six months mm-hmm. and you realized that just a, i realized relationship, it three months into it yeah our relationship was blossoming looking. but yeah. also the job yeah, a couple things with the job. Number one, I I was under the impression, this was my thought about 
advertising in my career. I thought it matters more what agency I work for than what my position is. So I took any position possible at that agency, which was a junior media planner. For my skill set, that was the worst thing I could have done. I mean, maybe, but I really wanted to be in strategy. I really wanted to be in creative and I was just going to try to parlay my way over there. But like the problem is I hated media planning so much that I could never even get there. Um, And then the other thing that happened was I joined and they put me on two accounts and I was the only junior planner that stayed on two accounts and I was working for Sherwin Williams and I was working for some financial company and um, it, I was totally overworked and being me being me I just didn't say anything and I just hustled and hustled and hustled to meet the expectation and I think they probably were like well look we're not paying this girl very much but she's like really delivering yeah. and um, they just gave me more and more and that was my fault for being young and not speaking up for myself and saying this is too much and when I did my exit interview I told them that but um, meanwhile you know, you're flying up, I'm flying down and I'm now, my eyes are being opened to a a world of creativity that I do not feel every day at my job. And I hated it. And I started hated going into the office and, um, and yeah, so I just kind of reached this crossroads where I was like, is this really what I want to do? And I just had this like feeling about us and I know it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all, but I just knew that what we had was really rare And this is maybe unconventional advice, but most people would say like, don't sacrifice a career for a relationship that may or may not work out. And to me, my life philosophy has always been don't sacrifice a relationship that might work out for a career. Because to me, the one thing that is going to shape, and I know this isn't everyone. And I know that, I know that many people don't even believe that you need to be with one person for your whole life. So I'm aware that other paradigms exist, but for me, I wanted one partner and I thought there's not going to be one decision that I make in my life that affects more of my life's trajectory than who I pick to be my person. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, if I let this relationship die, even though I know it's rare and I know it's special because of some idea of where I want my career to go, I'll regret it. And so I took the unconventional advice, which was I quit my job. <laughs> I found a different job in Jacksonville where you lived. So you found a job before you quit your job. I found a job yeah. before I quit my job. Yeah. I started putting feelers out about three months in. I started emailing. I used your network. I started emailing people that you knew in the advertising and marketing world in Jacksonville and said, do you know of any positions available? Which Jacksonville was so small. I pretty much knew everybody. Exactly. Yeah. They were starting. Uh, there was kind of like the top eight, you know, local agency in town. They were starting a social media um, department Mm -hmm. and they were looking for people. And so I said, I'm into social media. I can do this. And I flew down to visit you and interview for the job, got the job. Then I went and quit my other job and I took a huge pay cut for the time. And, um, but I just thought to myself, a, I have a good feeling about this relationship. If it doesn't work out, I'll be okay. But B like it's worth taking a risk on this relationship because I trust myself that I can figure out something with my career and it'll be fine. So you worked at the Durham agency for like six months. Then you moved to Jacksonville and you worked for that agency for a year. year. Yeah. I quit the week after I got employee of the month. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Um, What I was going to bring up that I thought was interesting was um, you mentioned like, I didn't want to work in an agency where I only worked on like local accounts, Mm -hmm. but I would say the funny thing about that, it was, it was probably less stressful 
to work at the agency with the local accounts than it was to work at Completely. the big agency, right? So it's like yeah. the dream is like, oh, I want to work on these big accounts, but like that was actually more stressful than like the smaller agency that was actually it the was, easier. It job. was less creative in some ways, but it was less stressful as well for sure. Um, although I still had that chip on my shoulder of like, I want to be able to tell people I work for clients that they've of heard of. Yeah. And so part of the draw of that job was that, um, I got to run uh, social media for the regional McDonald's, yeah. um, co-op. Yeah. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, mm. that's not something to be like super proud of. Yeah. You were tweeting about Big Macs. I was tweeting about Big Macs. Um, but I still was just like kind of married to this idea of wanting to do something that got me validation. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a thing that we have seen throughout our lives together is like your not need for validation, but like your drive for validation. And like, yeah, it took me a while and, and I definitely feel like I've broken that habit, but it took, it took enough time to pass of me going my own way. I think honestly the first big fork in the road where I chose myself over validation was when I said, I don't want to go back to New York. Mm -hmm. That was a crucial decision in my life where I listened to my body. I listened to my soul and I said, this is not where this does not make me feel good. It is not worth it to work on. I was working for Mars, which is like, I'm, I'm, I'm in meetings about M&Ms ads. I'm working on AT&T commercials when that was like a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm working on like really cool stuff, but like, it's not worth it for me to feel this anxiety and this pit in my stomach. And like, I worked in this dark office with sad people. Yeah. And there the, was a Ronald McDonald statue in the building. No, I'm talking about New York. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was sorry. I was moving forward to the other dark building that you worked oh, in. Oh yeah. You worked no, in the basement. That, that, base, that yeah. building was dark as well. Durham was a cool building. Though. Durham, Durham was awesome. Like great yeah, building. That was awesome. And honestly sold me on it. All right. Let's move out of the advertising agency years. And you started working for me. I'm curious to know from your side what you can remember of what that felt like. So you went from commuting to an office, yeah, working around other people in cubicles, yeah. doing meetings, like all the standard nine to five-y things, yeah. to now literally working in the upstairs bedroom that yeah. I had converted into a quote-unquote office and helping but, me put on a t-shirt every day. Yeah. Um, do you know what's funny that what I remember about that time? So if you recall, you didn't actually have that upstairs as an office. Like we did that together. Um, you would just work from the couch and from the dining room table and you would just work wherever. And but I had that office set up as a live studio. video studio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it you didn't have desks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. what I... And I the was like, what was that room? And the reason that that's important to mention is because what I remember about that first six months is you were still speaking all the time and traveling for videos and traveling for stuff. Um, and so you'd be gone for like days at a time. And like, I would stay in my pajamas and sit on the floor <laughs> of our living room using the coffee table as my desk, pretend to work. And I would watch full seasons of Dawson's Creek. <laughs> and I just remember hitting this point because, and the reason I share that is because I don't think enough people talk about what a strange transition it is. And maybe there's enough content now where people say like how to structure your day and how to be productive at the time. Productivity was not a thing. Yeah, 2011. No one's telling me how to like actually get shit done. Like yeah. I was so confused. I was going from this world of academics and early career stuff where people are like, 
here's what you do every day to me being like, what do I do? And also you convinced me to hire you to help yeah. solve some of my problems. So I was like, I don't have time to tell you, like, you know what you need to do. I have to get on a plane. Like yeah. you'll figure it out. And I mean, I was doing some stuff, but I oh, certainly sure. didn't need to take a full day to email <laughs> five clients for their logos and then watch Dawson's Creek all day. Yeah. Um, but I think I needed that time to almost like, and I've always been like this. I have to take it so far. Like I had to be like, so unproductive in order to almost like the hot stove of feeling how not good that feels in order to bounce back and be like productive again. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I learned how to, like I remember discovering to do yeah, yeah. The app or whatever. T-E-U-X. Yeah, T-E-U-X. from Swiss Miss. I remember discovering that and being like, this is, I'm going to make a to-do list. And then I'm going to, this is, I'm going to set what I'm going to do every day. Um, and then I started to really like it because I started to put my strategy hat on. And then we would have brainstorm meetings about coming up with like really unique concepts for different, different sponsorships. Yeah. And um, so it, there was a little bit of a learning curve in terms of how to actually get things done and, and being my own self-starter but I think I picked it up pretty quickly yeah but that's what I remember about that time yeah do you remember being like fun more fun or as fun as you thought leaving the agency world to like work for my silly company yeah I also remember the high of like going to a movie in the middle of the day yeah or going to the grocery store on off hours or being able to go leave for lunch and like spend as much time as we wanted at lunch this is something that always really made me feel unhappy in the corporate world was like this weird feeling of being like you have babysitters yeah like you're just like what like and I remember one time I had to uh leave this is still I'm working at the agency in Jacksonville and I think we had we were getting ready for a party or something and I had to go get props and so I got to leave in the middle of the day and take my car and go drive to like Old Navy or something to pick up a prop and I remember the freedom of driving <laughs> in the middle of a work day, not at the times of the morning or the evening. Yeah. And the absolute high of that feeling and being like, oh, this, I can't, yeah. I can't be just a cog in a machine. Yeah. Not when this exists. Also, this freedom in the middle of the day to drive around is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And um, so I think, uh, yeah, I was, I was just never going to be cut out for that world. Yeah. I definitely remember, I mean, when you started working for I Were You Sure, that is when, I had already hired, you know, the multiple shirt wearers. So I was managing four other people. I was still wearing a shirt. Then we had uh, an operations person. And then you were helping with kind of like client relations, but also just like a bunch of other like creative and strategy stuff. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I remember like the luster had worn off for me on the like daily freedom and doing things. And I was just then so overwhelmed by all the stuff that I had to do that like, when we would like go to the movies in the middle of the day, like I couldn't shut my brain off. Mm-mm. Like all I could think about was like, oh, I hope like this person like got their video up today. And I, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, and you're probably on the other side. You're like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. Freedom. Yeah. And I did honestly have it kind of made, made in the shade because you were still, we going into me working for you, we had lots of conversations about, and I think I was really the spearhead of this conversation. I was literally the spearhead of no conversation. Yeah, no, I was you so weren't. overwhelmed that I was just like, thank you for helping in any yeah. way whatsoever. I said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to hire me and you don't have to pay me very much. And because I already live with you. So like, I'm not paying rent. So like, cool. You get a discount on my <laughs> rate. Great. And um, here's what I'm gonna help you with. And here's what I, how I think it should work. I think you should still be the boss. I think I sh- you should treat me when we're at work like I am here to support your vision. I think I was just like setting the boundary really clear early on because 
I thought that if I stepped in and started suddenly like you and I acting as though we were as we do now which is we're partners in the business that it would create problems between us oh and it probably would have just because of my ego would have been so fragile exactly. at that time and and know? also I was so new so I yeah. honestly would have been talking out of my butt yeah and so I just saw I think I had like the emotional awareness to be like I think this is going to work better for us so at the end of the day every decision is yours and you can own it and I think that was the right move but I imagine looking back that must have been really hard for you because you didn't have anyone you could share the burden with really yeah oh, you yeah. know what I mean yeah. like it, it was like it was a gift and a curse because on the one hand there wasn't a lot of conflict because you could just bulldoze forward and make decisions but on the back end you didn't have anyone that you were in the trenches with taking on the burden of the business and I don't I mean maybe I'm selling myself short in saying that I don't know how helpful I would have been at that time but I was so green I just like yeah. didn't know anything about I business. mean I've I feel like I was still so green too, just because yeah. like I was so in the business that, and I think this is what a lot of people fall into is like, you're in the day to day that you can't zoom the lens out and mm -hmm. see like, well, what's the bigger picture here? Like, mm -hmm. what am I actually trying to get to? Mm -hmm. As opposed to just like, I'm just like slogging through some tasks to tomorrow when I have more tasks to, to the next day when I have more tasks. And it's like, but what am I actually trying to do? Like, right. what's going to actually like get me to the freedom that I thought this whole way of working would accomplish. Right. Uh, so let's move from the Irish short years, because we talked about that in, in my, the J-List uh, time. We talked about that in my interview. Enough. Did we just call it the J-List episode? The J-List episode. Um, you started a little company called Made Vibrant. I did. So this actually was, you started this while Irish short was still going. I did not. Oh, okay. No. It was at the end. No. Yeah. The way that it happened was. You I had mean, Clumsy Crafty Happy. I had Clumsy Crafty Happy, which, which was like my blog. blog spot blog. Yeah. Nice. Which I actually started when I still worked for Dalton, oh, which okay. was the agency. Yeah. And, um, I had a blog and it was just like DIY projects and creativity and like thoughts and things like that. But I do think that was so crucial to just getting my writing voice and being creative and practicing, like publishing something online. But then what happened was when I read your shirt closed and you said, Hey, I can't pay you anymore. Meaning me and Sean, the last two survivors, the last two survivors. I, I looked around for a job. I thought I'll do like a remote job. I remember actually Marie Forleo was hiring a customer success person. Mm. I was like, I could do this. Like at least it'll be sort of in the same world and whatever. And you're like, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, you're creative. You can do just like, you can do things. I had taught myself design a, in order to make cooler header images for my blog spot. Mm -hmm. I taught myself a little HTML to do that. I remember I taught myself design because I put together like our media kit for I wear shirt and things like that Photoshop. Yeah. And so you were like, you have these skills, like why don't you try to do something with it? And so it, what I did was I started a portfolio site called Caroline Kelso design and illustration. Mm -hmm. And I was big into like, this was like me becoming like an artist and I was getting into hand lettering and I was getting into illustration and things. And so for about a year I took like all kinds of like weird, odd design projects like do you remember a friend of a friend paid me to design paid me $500 to design the sh the designs for Etsy decals that she wanted to sell on Etsy <laughs> okay the, the Etsy market was big at the time so I did that job I did some illustrations for a friend of a friend's book mm -hmm. I made a hand uh a hand-drawn blog header for a friend's sister like these types of little like designs. small things i yeah. did a i did a custom hand illustrated baby shower invite for a high school friend these are the things i was doing right yeah. and i'm charging like a hundred dollars two hundred dollars three five hundred dollars was like really yeah. a big deal um and then i decided okay i've got a little bit under my belt i want to create a brand that is bigger than just 
a design freelance design I want it to be a blog I want it to be a brand right which actually was like me getting into branding and so that's when I launched made vibrant I wanted it to be this bigger um story where I could mix my love of personal development and creativity and that's what made vibrant was all about it was like you know, becoming your brightest self. And I did design as well. And you did that through three separate websites. So you could like really keep <laughs> I it. I couldn't find a theme. Jason's <laughs> referring to, I couldn't find like a WordPress theme that I liked that would have these three things. I wanted a cool blog layout that I liked. Yeah. I wanted a cool, um, like uh, portfolio layout for my design site. Yeah. And I wanted a shop because I thought I was going to sell like yeah. art prints. Yeah. Now this is 2013. So like. <laughs> so was, what I did was yeah. I bought three themes <laughs> and I made blog.madevibrant.com, shop.madevibrant.com. You figured it all out. Studio.madevibrant.com. Yeah. And I then bought a fourth theme in order to make a website to pull it all together. Yeah. And it worked. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. But the, the, yeah, these are the funny things that I think folks who start a business now or like pivot to a new idea they're like oh i gotta like this is perfect it's like no nah, you can have three separate different entities well so also looking like, back what i didn't realize was that no you use your blog it makes no sense to separate your studio site from your blog because you use your blog to get eyeballs on your studio site and if you separate them seems like it worked out for you it did work out for yeah me. uh all right so this is like 2014 yep. time you're doing made vibrant stuff you're yep. starting to do hand lettering things you're working on better branding course, you're working with a couple different clients, but um, I'm finding my way. We decide to move to California. Yes. How did that feel? And where did that come from? And did you see that happening for us? I did because we were both aligned in wanting to move for sure. I remember that much. I remember us both looking around and being like, this was right after I was, we just like needed a fresh start. Yeah. And we were starting to really feel the limitations of being entrepreneurial in a city that didn't always, there were things happening. There were entrepreneurial things happening, but it was like such a small percentage compared to what we wanted. And so we just wanted to move to a place where there were more people like us. And, um, so yeah, so we, we had landed on San Diego. We we're going to move in with our friends who are also coming from New York and entrepreneurial just adult roommates just adult roommates yeah um but to answer your question of how did that feel exciting um exciting I don't remember feeling scared actually yeah I don't I remember feeling like I'm ready for a fresh start I remember uh, the only fear I remember experiencing was when we sat down with our friends before we had made the decision and how this all came about was actually at like a conference. Yeah, at a, at a breakfast at a brunch conference. spot yeah. where a margarita was involved. And they were like, we're thinking of moving. We were like, we're thinking of moving. They were like, well, tell me your cities. And we were like, tell, we'll tell you our cities. And we all landed on San Diego. And Jason like over margaritas is like, let's move in together. And then, and then before I know it, we're doing a Zoom call a month after that to like actually pick out places we're together. Zillow, we're saving Zillows. And I, this is always, this is so true about our relationship, but Jason is the gas and I'm the brakes. And accelerator. We say accelerator because electric movement, you know? Okay. Yeah. Jason is the accelerator and I'm the brakes. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> way to really, be, yeah, I'm just you're doing your part. In our metaphors. You're doing your part. Yeah. I'm out fight here. climate change one metaphor at a time. You know what I'm doing? Um, he's the accelerator. I'm the brakes. And I remember, the fear of how quickly things were moving because I need time to like process. See, you were afraid. I was afraid. Yeah. But by the time that I just sort of surrendered to the but I think this moment. Is a good, I think this is a good metaphor for our lives together. 
which is like, I'm always pushing to do a drastic thing or like a big thing. And I'm just, because like, I just see it as like, it's none of these things are ever permanent, right? It's like, you can always undo these things, whether it's moving across the country and selling all your things, we could go buy all the same crap again. We could move back to where we were, whether it's starting a business together and like closing our two businesses, we we could undo it. And we could, you know, like moving to Europe, like tomorrow we could pack up our things in our two suitcases. I don't know how we'd fit it all. And we would just like move back to where we want to go. Like all of these decisions uh, you know, have some sense of impermanence. Which is so funny because going back to the conversation about when I decided to quit my job and move back to Jacksonville, that's absolutely how I felt. Yeah. So that's why it's like deep down, there's deep alignment in that philosophy. It's yeah. just, it's just funny because like me against a, someone else in the world, I'm the accelerator, they're the brakes. Yeah. Me versus you, you're the accelerator, I'm the brakes. So it's like, I have the same adventurous spirit that you do. It's just that you move at a quicker pace. I'm just pace faster. I'm the dual motor. I'm the dual you're motor. You're the dual motor. Three. And so like by yeah. relative standards, I feel like I seem like the brakes, but I'm really not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't do all of these. Just in comparison. Just in comparison. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose, I wouldn't say yes to all these things if I wasn't actually aligned on them. Because I think you know me well enough to know by now that like I don't do anything I don't want to do. But every decision in our lives that you have pushed for, even if I felt the instinct to slow us down and I have slowed us down in, in all the best ways, I think to say like, do we, let's really think about this. Do we really want to buy Bitcoin in 2011? <laughs> no, we don't. Stop. <laughs> but I, every decision that you have, every unknown frontier that you have pushed us towards has been immeasurably wonderful for our lives. Yeah. And I wasn't trying to like take credit for that in any way. Oh, whatsoever. No, I, I was more just sharing. I was more just sharing the like, dynamic kind of the, yeah like yeah. how they come together um so made vibrant is going and the one the one part of it that i wanted to highlight here sure. before we start to get into the round down round okay. um is the abstract affirmations project okay because i think i forget i did that this project is similar in a lot of ways to my iria shirt project mm-hmm. and the daily challenge for an extended period of time and i'm curious looking back on it a if you want to quickly describe it b what you think your biggest kind of like takeaways were from it moving forward. And like, if you still use any of those lessons today. Mm. So abstract affirmations was a project that I decided to do. I think it was the year 2016. Yeah. Where I have it in my notes here. Every day I wanted to post, I wanted to do a painting and sort of a hand lettered, but this is a physical painting, a physical painting. Yeah. It did end up being digital because I got an iPad. You surprised me with an iPad. Yeah. Um, and But a painting mixed with a hand-lettered message, affirmation. And I by that point, I had been doing that already like on my Instagram and kind of sharing these little like life lessons, which now seems so obvious because that's like all people do on Instagram now. But like 2014 to 2016, like not that many people were doing that. Yeah. And um Yeah. So, and then I also, on top of that, wanted to sell the print. So it was also an exercise in selling my art as well as, and really the point of it was like, I wanted to develop my artistic voice. I wanted to develop an artistic style that was all my own. And I felt like daily doing a daily challenge was the best way to get me there. I had been doing, um, monthly hand lettering challenges for people and hosting those. And so I was a big believer in challenges. Um, but a a daily challenge was really scary. (laughs) Um, and it was an incredible project. And so I would share each piece on Instagram every day and I would write kind of a long piece about it. 
And so it was this beautiful body of work where I got to hone my skills as a writer. I got to hone my skills as an artist. I got, I did find what I believe to be kind of my style and my voice. Um, and so it was ultimately a really positive thing. I learned how to sell my art. I made some good money with it. It's actually what ultimately brought my book deal to my, as an opportunity because, um, my book agent found me through that project. And so it was really great. The downside of a daily project is that it's going to burn you out. Yeah. It just will if you don't build in breaks. And so I didn't even make it the full year. I think I made it 280 days or something like that. Um, but I just started to get so bored with it all. And I, it's, it went from being something that was pushing me forward to something that was holding me back. And the moment that I've recognized that change, I decided it doesn't matter that I've given myself this challenge. Like I know myself the best. And it's that classic thing of you have to know when to push on and you have to know when to quit. And it's just, nobody can tell you that except for you. But I'm still so glad that I did it, especially because I can look back and have this body of work that I'm really proud of. Um, And maybe I'll come back to some type of, you know, daily project in the future. Um, But yeah, it gave me a sense of, it did a lot of things for me. It helped me fight perfectionism because every day, even if the piece, I didn't love it, I had to put it up there because I had to move on. Mm -hmm. And that is the best way to get over perfectionism. Um, and to build a body of work, which builds confidence because you just go like, you're not going to look at all the like couple ones that I don't like. You're going to look at the general uh, amalgamation of the entire body of work together. And I'm really proud of that. So it taught me to like kind of fight that perfectionism, taught me what my creative voice is. Um, it allowed me to connect with a lot of people who loved my art. It built my audience, like all these things that were really positive from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always think back on that project and I'm like, I think this was such an interesting project because you got to see what the daily creation thing was like that I did for so many years. Yeah. But I also look back on it and I remember when you kind of committed to it and I was like, don't do it. (laughs) You know, it's like, I know how hard this is going to be, even if it's just make like just making a piece of art is Mm -hmm. still a ton of work every single day of your life. Plus you're still running a business Mm -hmm. like you're still doing a bunch of other things. But I I look back and I'm like, I wonder if it was like a 90 day project, if that would have been like enough, you know, probably, but it's hard to know. And it's also like it, we talk about this a lot. Like, you know, we both had burnouts multiple times throughout our entrepreneurial journeys now. And I think every single one of those is kind of necessary because it's the hot stove moments where you realize like, oh, okay, now I know not to push to do this. Yeah. And then you do something else and it's like, it seems similar, but it's, it's actually like a different way of burning out where you go, okay, now I know not to do this. Yeah. And to your point about like, would it have worked at 90 days? Probably. But this is where we're a little bit similar in that I always want to do the thing that most people won't do. Yeah. Most people won't commit to a year long project because they can't stick with it that long. And there's a good reason for that. Right. Cause burnout. But I was still at that place where I was like, if I'm going to do this, I want to like really do it. And I want to challenge myself again. This is another place where I think you and I have overlap is ultimately we do like to challenge ourselves. We like to, you know, I'm a believer that you do find out the most about yourself when you bump up against something that is very challenging. Yeah. And so I'm always on the lookout for things that are a little bit scary to me. Um, But with the flexibility of going, I can walk away at 280 days and not feel any type of failure whatsoever. Like, eh, was it a hard decision? Yes, because there was something about that clean 
365 days that I wanted to do. But like, I don't feel like I, that project was a failure by any means. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I don't look at it that way either. I mean, yeah. obviously you've got a book deal out of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You have 280 and so, pieces of original art. Exactly. That- and so that's my advice to some people sometimes is like, shoot for the hard thing and and really give it your best shot but then like know when to walk away and like just kind of hold it loosely as we say around here shoot for the stars and you end up on the moon because the stars are further away that's right shoot for the star yeah exactly shoot for the stars and land among among the moon Uh, it actually though brought up another point which I think we'll do a podcast about this at some point but it reminded me of that on my interview show no on your interview show that other show what is it all for do you know that one got it got it got it Um, but we had a conversation the other day about this idea of commitment. Mm -hmm. And so what, what that project did for me was that it made me go all in on a commitment to myself, which then gave me permission to carve out an hour every single day for my art. Yeah. And I have not done an hour on my art for that many days in a row since that project. Yeah. And so there's something about a big commitment, a big thing that you're aiming for that gives you mentally the reason to go, I'm going to prioritize this and carve out time in my day to do my art. And that's the part I miss. Yeah. The part I miss is giving myself a reason to spend an hour doing art every day. Yeah. All right. You want to get to the round down round? Round down round. I have more round down round. You have a round down round on your show as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have more round down round questions than you did. Okay. So Um, go faster. Because I just had like a, like a bunch of random things I wanted to ask. Oh, great. I can't wait. These are kind of all over the place. So that's what random means actually. The uh, woven journey of your life. That has come to it. Okay, great. That's come to an end. Great. What's the most, what's a popular business idea you wish you'd have come up with? So not like, oh, I wish I'd invented Instagram. Like what's like a, what's one that's like realistic that you're like, oh, like I had that idea and I. I know there's it. an answer to this, but I have to come back to it. I can give you mine if you okay, want to. I can chat with Yeah. Mine is um, wire cutter because mm. I had this idea in 2006 and it was a website called Pickle. It was P-I-Q-U-L. This is back when like Flickr was a domain and Twitter was like with no ER. And the idea was you would fill out a a search box and it would say, I'm looking for the best blank while blank. So like headphones while running or knife while cooking or, you know, whatever. And like, you know, we, we thought through like a whole bunch of stuff. This is just me explaining it now 17 years later. So I don't remember the nuances of it. But wire cutter basically became this exact thing where you're like, I'm looking for the best vacuum. And so like they just go through and they do like a full rundown of like the best vacuums and they'll just tell you the top three. I'm just now realizing that the name is related to the idea of picking something. Of picking something. But yeah. you decided to take all the letters that actually make the word pick, P-I-C-K, yeah. and remove them. Well, because it was cool at the time. So here was the reason for the I know, the but when you add the Q, suddenly I'm not thinking about the word pick, P-I-C-K. I know. But also it was a pickle. You're in a pickle to decide what you're choosing. Oh, okay. That was also oh, the reason. Oh, I do like that. Yeah, thank you. Okay, I do like it. Yeah. Um, I let that domain go a long time ago, unfortunately. Do you do you have your popular business idea you wish you'd have come up with? Well, it doesn't have to be something you thought about. Just more like, ooh, that's one like I wish I would have done. Um... I'm thinking I still there. I was going to say one, but I still want to keep it for myself, <laughs> even though it kind of exists out there. Um, oh, this is not my idea. Yeah, yeah. But, um, That's what I'm saying. It doesn't I have to be your idea. I still think that your idea of Yimmy oh, was Yimmy like that? 
Yimme That was like way ahead of its time. What was that? Okay. <laughs> it was, I even had shirts made of this. and I. It was an overlay. It was like a Chrome extension type style yeah. thing. It was an overlay where you could kind of like Pinterest where you could add things to your Yimmy, but it was public wish list. Yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. I could, it's a little bit like Pinterest now, but it wasn't really big at the time where it's like, as I'm shopping, I add things to like Caroline's birthday Yimmy or whatever. Yeah. And then I send the link to all my friends where You're it's like, like Yimmy that. Yimmy that. Yeah. Um, oh, that's funny. I, I forgot about cool. that idea. I think it's There's so many of those little things oh that God. I've forgotten about. The, the amount way. of ideas in our idea graveyard is just. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Go ahead. Okay, great. Uh, next question. Again, we're in the round. That's very random. Yeah. Uh, it's the round down random round. That's what mine is. Yours is the round That's down so round. That's so different. Mine's the round down random round. Cool. That's really different. What's the most memorable moment that comes to your mind in our 13 years together that's not our elopement? Impossible. Just like what's, or, or like it doesn't have to be the most, I'm sorry. It could just be like, when I ask you right now, like what's just like a really memorable and also I'll caveat to this. Okay. Like a mundane moment. Okay. Because my immediate thought was, Arriving in Tahiti. Okay. So that's sure. like the, so most, that's the most. Okay. Well, then you, then it comes to you. Like the most memorable moment is walking on that. That's definitely. Uh, uh, the overwater bungalows. Yeah. We're looking at a Feeling, screensaver. That's like but one of the there. most surreal feelings I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Um, also, we were just like very sleep deprived. It takes a long time to get yeah. there. Um, but the a mundane moment. I love these. I know. <laughs> I know you do. Um, a mundane moment you know what's one that i just have been thinking about lately because your birthday go ahead it's maybe this mundane but it's actually quite recent but um your birthday during the pandemic oh with my lamborghini yeah it was really fun and um, when i say my lamborghini i mean the one that you made me out of paper yeah <laughs> i made you <laughs> jason wanted to do for this birthday this like driving experience thing but obviously it was during lockdown and this was like 10 years of thinking about this yeah like and so i and so leading up to the pandemic we had been i was like this is the birthday yeah where i'm gonna do it i'm gonna i was doing all this research of like this exotic car thing and whatever and it didn't work out because of the pandemic and so I, where did I get the paper for that poster board? Like, did yeah. I just tape a bunch of paper together? I think you did. Yeah. I think I taped a bunch of printer paper together. No, no, it was no. your watercolor paper. Cause I remember oh, it was, it was the my watercolor paper. You're yeah, right, yeah, you're right, yeah. right. And I drew this like Lamborghini and I set up two chairs in our living room and I found a YouTube video of like a Lamborghini, like po point of view Lamborghini yeah, drive. Yeah. And there was, there was other surprises I had for that birthday. But anyway, the, the charcuterie board was great. The charcuterie board. But yeah, you, you found a YouTube clip that yeah. was driving through Italy yeah. and like a point of view clip. Yeah. So you set me up yeah. and you brought my sunglasses out yeah. of the closet yeah. and you're like, all right. And you like started the We're video. There's a, if you go to my Instagram, which I'm not on anymore, but it's still there. Uh, Jason does stuff on Instagram. You can see a photo of this. It's not too far back. Cause I didn't post much in the past four years or three years. So there's a photo of me. You can see this setup yeah. that you did which but is like so my favorite mundane stuff with us is just like almost like the kid like stuff that we do like the weird stuff like that where we just you know do you want to know mine play games or yeah what's it's also yours? car related okay um 2013 i'm at rock bottom we have no money financially I buy a 1947 Chevy 3100 truck yeah that was a bad financial decision bad financial good decision. life decision um and this truck is super old. It barely runs. It smells like gas when you fire it up. Yep. But I will never forget those drives that we would just take on like this little like 
small highway behind where our house was with plaques, our yeah. dog. And we like put he, would, in the front he seat. would sit in the middle seat, but there's just a big bench seat. There's just yep. three of us. He would sit the, in the middle of the bench seat. The, the um, dash has holes in it. So the the, <laughs> engine, the, the heat from the engine is coming billing. into the cab. You had to drive with the windows down. Which was down great when it was like fall work. or winter because it was like kind of a heater. Yeah, windows didn't work. So the windows were always down. It was no very what. low to the ground. So if you went to any driveway that was oh, like, just, it was <laughs> you would just hear metal on concrete. But just like, there's no stereo. So it's just like us like driving and just like, chatting yeah and it's just loud not like super loud but it's just like just rumbling and i'll just never forget like that was just such a special those little mundane moments of that i totally agree um what does our life look like in five years interesting that i ended on like a future planning thing as well yeah in five years from now i think we're still living in portugal i think it's entirely possible we live even in our even this house Wow. I don't know. I want to find a way to make that happen. Yeah. Um, I think... There's a book called The Secret. I think it might help you. Okay. I'll okay. check it out. Nice. Never heard of it. I think we have one child. Okay. At the time. I think they are an angel. They never have... <laughs> Children are the Honestly, best. never need, have needs. Transcendent. Transcendent. They uh, also help make baby. pour over coffee. Yeah. They actually never cry when Jason's making coffee. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing. They just are like a sweet baby angel while he just like makes peaceful coffee. In the uh-huh. morning. <laughs> Those of you who listened to the end of last episode will get that. No, yeah. I think we're learning what, what it's like to be new parents. But I also see for us like still loving business and just like enjoying the process of building businesses. Like I, I, I think it's going to be an adjustment of course to figure that out. But when I envision it in my head, it's like a really fun period of life where I think of, this is bad. I don't know. But I think of some of the most fun that we had being parents to plaques and like, just some of the chaos of that of like trying to get his nails done and I'm doing wall sits while I'm holding him and you're trying to get his nails and I'm like singing to him and like you know us figuring that out or like when when we got to the point where we had to bathe him like every day and I'm in the bathtub with him and like we're trying to figure out every way that we can so he doesn't like jump out of the tub and stuff that type of chaos that that joyful chaos is like what I imagine five years from now is like okay do they uh that made me think do they have like business nannies like they have like a nanny like they could come and like watch our kid yeah is there a nanny that can come and watch our businesses <laughs> i think that's just called like an operations person okay cool so we'll get a business nanny a business nanny yeah shout out i to don't think they like being called there. that <laughs> okay I, I, I don't want to belittle their like that's a big deal they are very helpful yeah also like strong believer in nannies around here pro, very pro nanny very pro nanny um do you want our kids to go to college i don't have um i don't think that I have restrictions around that. Do I want them to go to college? College was a positive experience for me socially. I think it was, it's this like time period where you're like kind of suspended between. College was also a positive experience for me socially. I know it was. Um, So if they can, like the, the pitch that I would give them to college is like, don't go to college because you think you need to do X, Y, and Z for us. Go to college because you'll never get this period of your life back where you're sort of, you know, as Britney Spears would say, um, what is it? I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Okay. Right. right. So that's what I want for them. I want them to have that time in life where they can figure out who they are and what path they want to go down. 
But I also could very easily see them if they are sort of more entrepreneurial like you. I mean, we're both entrepreneurial, but I would say you. More predisposed to More it, yeah. rejecting of convention that, um, yeah, if they came to me and was like, hey, I don't think this is the right path for me. I want to go do X, Y, and Z. Like, I'm certainly not going to stop them. So I guess it all depends on the kid is my answer. Yeah. I think my vote would be even if they want to go to college, which I'm totally for if they want to, I think my caveat would be take a gap year or two first. Yeah. To travel, to get an internship with like a company that you, in an industry that you're interested in. And like just experience life before going to college and like kind of getting sucked into that system because it's very easy just to get there and then think like, well, I got to be here for four or five years to like finish this out, you know, Mm -hmm. especially because I think our kid will probably kids uh, will probably end up being like a completionist by nature just through like growing up with parents who are completionists even if so or they could totally go they the could rebel and i know all the parents that are out there they're like you can't have your kids do the thing they're gonna do the opposite way you think but i'm just saying like let's just assume that they are okay. a completionist like we are like they would want to finish they would want to finish college uh, you know, maybe not maybe they would leave but i'm just saying like i would want them to experience some some other type of life before that mm-hmm. just to see what that's like you don't want to get caught in the trap exactly i get that i have two more questions for you they're okay. silly questions great number one you have to get rid of one piece of technology ipad laptop <gasps> iphone babe this is a great question phone wow right away absolutely phone interesting because think about it like you I can't don't... Po- you can't post on uh social media yes, on you your can. ipad yes you can can you on on i think you can (laughs) (laughs) i don't care okay what because i'm always posting on social media well you just have your private account for our family now but like do i really care that much no i'm already bad at texting which you can do on your computer but the device i'm on the least out of those three things is my phone this is true so easy okay i almost put apple watch in there but i was like "Mm, that's probably the easiest one to get rid of because like your phone can do like everything your watch can, but your watch. I really like my watch, but yeah, it's yeah. probably the least. So your iPhone. Mm-hmm. I don't use a, an iPad. So if I had to choose between laptop and phone, I'd get rid of the phone. Yeah. And I would just be laptop only. All right. Final question. Uh-huh. If you were a candy, what candy would you be? And then you can also say what this candy This is very hard to detach from what kind of candy is your favorite. Yeah. Because I'm my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so it's like I would just be my favorite. <laughs> But what candy are you? Like, if you think about like... Okay, 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 okay. Um, I... What comes to mind... Uh-huh. Now, I don't care if you like this candy No, no, it doesn't not. matter. It doesn't matter. Okay, so I'm going to go with an Almond Joy. Oh, okay. Which one is the... Almond it, Joy has nuts, the dark mounds chocolate. don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Almond Joy is dark chocolate? I think it comes in both, to be honest. Okay, I'm a dark chocolate almond joy. Okay, okay. because the dark chocolate, because it's like I love like deep, rich experiences. Okay, okay? and just like a depth of like, yeah, tell me your soul. Yeah, um, you know, I a little bit of coconut because it's like a little sweet. Okay, I'm a sweetie pie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and an almond because like. A little crunchy. Okay. Like I can, I can. You can crunch? I have a little crunch to me sometimes. Okay. And also just all three flavors together, like interesting and like, you know, not the total norm of what you pick. It's not your average. It's not your Snickers. It's not not your Reese's Cup. It's not some M&M's. It's a little bit out of left field. It's a little left to center, but like delicious. None the same. Do you want to know what candy I picked for you? Yeah. You're a blow pop. 
Because <laughs> you have a sweet exterior. A you sweet, said sweet. sweet. sweetie. But then like a surprise fun interior. A surprise fun interior. So it's like the fun keeps going. The like it's not like you take a bite going. and it's like, oh, this is all oh, good. It's and like, then you it's, get, like, it's like a whole change. Like it's, it's like a whole, whole different new adventure. Thing. And so yeah. yeah, that's very cute. Thank you. That's great. Do you know that. what candy I thought you would have picked for me? I didn't pick one yet. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Tell you. you are a... Um, and you don't have to sugarcoat it. Pun intended. <laughs> you can just like, you know, pick the candy you want. You are... Um, pop rocks mm. because you, you put it in your mouth <laughs> and you're like, whoa, didn't see that coming. <laughs> no, yeah. you're a surprise. You're just like, you're always exciting. Yeah. You're, you're not like nobody is being your friend or your partner in life and is like in for like a smooth ride. Right. You know, it's just, it's always fun. It's always exciting. It's always something new. Keeps you on your toes. Yeah. And sometimes it hurts a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is similar to the one that I thought that you would pick for me yeah. is a warhead. Warhead. Yeah. So yep. like super sour exterior. Like it hits you. Like first impression, you're like, Ugh, I don't know if I like I this. But then you work through you're all like, that. You're like aggressive. Then you work through all that. You're like, yeah, oh, I kind of like sweet. this. I would probably have this again. Yeah. You're like, I'm glad I bought that pack of 28. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pop another one. Yeah. So yeah. kind of close. Kind of same thing. Honestly. Yeah. That's funny. Both of our answers. I mean. In the explanation, it's kind of funny. Pop Rocks is like not that far removed from Warheads. It's true. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on my show. I appreciate I it. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for the invite. I've just been listening for a long time. I really, oh, yeah. I really re respect what you do here. I hope you don't mind. I've got like an outro that I always do. Okay, go ahead. All right, cinnamon rollers. It's been good layering the cinnamon on your bodies and frosting you with cream cheese and love. I don't like it. <laughs> nope. No, and, thank you. Uh, no, thank you so much. You know, uh, sweetening your soul hey, hey, with hey. a proofed <laughs> batch of delicious goodness. Okay. That's what we do around here. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I can't believe I've missed that every episode. I haven't oh, heard you say that okay. at the end. Yeah, well, sometimes I forget. Uh, all right, that's it. We hope you enjoyed this. Uh, definitely let us know if you want us to do this again. Maybe in another 166 and seven episodes, we'll do another. We'll see you in two four years. Interview. Bye. Okay, that's it. Goodbye.